At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rival every rematch Every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Got a great podcast for you guys. I was planning on having Ryan Rossine on the podcast a little bit more towards next week, but we want to get some breaking news out there in Philadelphia on Friday with Joe Girardi getting canned. So, we're going to gauge the temperature out there in Philadelphia, what to expect out of the Phillies moving forward, and one's going to be talking to Ryan a little bit about the futures market out there with the National League East, as right now the Mets are very sizable favorites out there, depending upon where you look, so we're going to be having that chat with our good friend Ryan in the second segment, in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday. As we touch them all, first things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one of two ways to be able to fire those in, first one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you read this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're both finding whatever you like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Really didn't wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we wound up having a pretty superb day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Lots of low-scoring slobber knockers out there on Saturday, including one out there in Coors Field where... It took 11 innings, but the Atlanta Braves, they get the job done by kind of 6-2, putting up four 
in the 11th inning. This game was 1-1 going into extras as Adam Duvall was able to really bust this thing open in the 11th inning. He goes deep off of Ulysse Chassin, his third home run season, then a little bit earlier, Austin Riley goes deep off of Kyle Freeland. 14th home run season for Freeland. Ain't a very good start. He gives up that solo home run over the course of seven innings. Tyler Kinley, Daniel Bard, both give you a scoreless setting. Alex Galme gives up an unearned run in the 10th inning, and then Ulysse Chassin. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up in the 11th for a bullpen of the Rockies as dead last in terms of VRA. And for the Atlanta Braves, Spencer Strider's second career start turned into a little bit of a walk fest. Five walks in four innings, giving up one run, but the bullpen had his back. No earned runs, one unearned run in extra innings given up by the Atlanta Braves. Over the course of seven innings, as Jesse Chavez, two scoreless innings, Colin McHugh, Will Smith, they get jiggy with it for two scoreless innings, and then you end up having A.J. Minter give up an unearned run, Darren O'Day, Jake Stevens, all give you a scoreless inning as well. You wind up seeing a double dip between the Cubs and the Cardinals, and it was the Cubs that wind up taking game one, and the Cardinals that wind up taking game two. In game one, Cubs wind up getting it done by the count of 6-1, to one, as you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo, gives up three runs, the course of five innings, including a home run going deep for the Cubs. Frank Schwindel is eighth home run season from there. The Woodford of Jake Woodford gives up three runs in three innings. Tommy Edmond, lone form of offense for the St. Louis Cardinals. He winds up going deep for his fifth home run season. That winds up coming off of the young gun in Mr. Matt Schwarmer, who wanted going six innings, giving up that home run. Scott Efres gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen with Brandon Hughes, giving you an out as well before Rowan Wick comes in. He provides two scoreless innings, but then game two, Goes extras and it goes over in extras. He had five runs in the 10th inning between these two. 7-4. to four. Cardinals are able to get it done. They go 4-9 of nine with men in scoring position as Andre Palante was able to get his first career start. Was going four innings, giving up one run. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Drew Verhagen from there gives up two runs in one and a third innings. But Ryan Elsley, he really had to lend some length. He did so. Two and two-thirds innings. Scoreless now has a 0-42 ERA in Giovanni Gallegos. Five punch-outs in the final two innings, giving up an unearned run in the ninth and 10th innings. And for the Cubs, Michael Rucker just got destroyed in the 10th inning. He was giving up four runs, three of which were earned without getting a single out. That stymies the fact that David Robertson and Michael Gibbons, they wind up being able to provide four scoreless innings after you know, saw the first career start of Caleb Killian. He winds up giving up three runs in five innings to Daniel Norris. was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Cubs, 3 of 18 with men in scoring position, and I believe that they are now 11 and 19 at home, so it's not been going well for them at Wrigley Field. Not been going well for the Brewers in this series. They wound up losing to the Slam Diego Padres by a count of 4 to 0, and for the Padres, they won the day before by a count of 7 to nothing, so it's been a rough going there as Mackenzie Gore. Terrific start here. 10 punch outs in 6 innings, no runs allowed. Nibel Crismet, Luis Garcia, and Taylor Rogers all provide a scoreless inning from there, and Jake Cronenworth. Goes deep off of Aaron Ashby. Fourth home run season for Ashby. Had been looking like he was turning the corner as a starter. Got nine strikeouts in this one, but gives up four runs, including that bomb. Trevor got along with Miguel Sanchez and Trevor Kelly. All wind up giving you a scoreless inning from there. The New York Yankees held the Tigers scoreless door now, averaging two runs per game on the road. And here are 53 games into the season. 3-0 to zero the finalists. Bo Bryski. Not a bad start here. He gives up two runs in six innings. Both of them were solo runs. Randy for the Yankees. Aaron Judge, 21st home run season. Anthony Rizzo is 13th. To put this into perspective, these two guys, they've got 34 home runs this season. The Tigers as a team, they've got 30. From there, you did wind up having Andrew Chafin and Joey Menes combined for a scoreless inning. And Jason Foley, a scoreless inning. And for the Yankees, Luis Severino, seven scoreless innings. Ten punch outs along the way. Michael King, Clay Holmes, scoreless innings. 
for the Yankees to be able to continue to have the best record out there in the big leagues. 38-15, and 15. and for the Detroit Tigers, they've currently got themselves three runs in the last three games and zero in this series. So, it's not going well there. It is not necessarily going great for the Minnesota Twins either. They wind up losing to the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 12-3. For Dylan Bundy, it looked more like Al Bundy, giving up two home runs, six runs in total, five of which were earned in two and a third innings, going deep off of Mr. Bundy, Bobachet, eighth home run of the season, Alejandro Kirk, his fourth and then Vlad Guerrero Jr. He winds up being able to get his 12th home run season as coming in in long relief was Ian Hamilton, two and two-thirds innings, gives up two runs, including those that home run you have from there. A gentleman in Mr. Yanir Cano. You know what? Not too bad. One run given up in two innings before Juan Manaya gives up three runs in an inning. Ore Palanco was able to go deep for the Minnesota Twins. Sixth home run season as it was the Jose Barrios. I guess you call it revenge game as that home run they wound up lying. Lone runs they gave up. Two runs in total over the course of seven innings. 13 strikeouts for Mr. Barrios. Julian Merriweather scored the setting. And then Trent Thornton gives up a run in an inning. But the Blue Jays have now scored four plus runs. And now nine out of their last 10 games. And for the Reds, they have scored at least four runs in 17 out of their last 18 home games. But was not enough against the Washington Nationals. 10 to 8. The Nats are able to get it done as Eric Fetty Wap got whopped. Four runs given up in four and two thirds innings. And then you wind up having Jordan Weems from there. Give up three runs in a third of an inning going deep for the Cincinnati Reds was Albert Tomorrow Jr. Second home run season. Then Brandon Drury would go deep late off of Dan Rainey, his ninth of the campaign. Rainey collects the save but gives up that solo run in his inning along the way. But Paul Espinel, Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, I'll give you a scoreless inning in for Juan Soto. 11th and 12th home runs of the season. He winds going deep off of Tyler Molly to start with. And Molly gives up three runs over the course of six innings. And then Alexis Diaz, who had been rock solid of the bullpen. He wound up giving up three runs in his inning of work. Tony Santian, he combines with Ross Detweiler, giving up a run in an inning in the process. And for Hunter Strickland, he winds up giving up three runs in an inning, all of which were in the ninth. He was on for the save, and instead he wound up just completely torpedoing this game. So that was not too terrific. DK Nation pick wound up getting a little bit lucky. Marlins were down 4-0 to going into the bottom of the fifth. They wind up getting to Logan Webb, and they wind up being able to stitch up a 5-4 win as Webb gives up four runs and four and two-thirds innings. John Breba from there gives you an out of the bullpen. Camille Duvall, Jake McGee, they both give you a scoreless innings, but then Tyler Rogers, one in the third innings, winds up allowing the run that allows the W. And for the San Francisco Giants, you did wind up getting a deep ball off of one Pablo Lopez as Jason Vossler. Say we get his fourth home run season for Mr. Lopez. We're sort of the year for him. He winds up giving up four runs in seven innings, including a homer, but he was able to deliver length after he wound up giving up four runs through the first four innings. He was able to eat some innings from there. Stephen O'Kurt, Tanner Scott from there, give you a scoreless inning, and the Miami Marlins are able to get the job done in this one. The Philadelphia Phillies are now 2-0 without George Girardi. We're going to be talking about this a little bit later with our good friend Ryan Rossi, but 72 Phillies able to get it done. Mike Lorenzen, a rough start here. Nine punch-outs in five and two-thirds innings, but gives up five runs along the way. Aaron Loop and Oliver Ortega both give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run, but Archie Bradley, been a rough year for him. Gives up two runs over the course of his inning, and for the LA Angels, they go one of six with men in scoring position as Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler. He was the one giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Brad and Sir Anthony Dominguez and Connor Brogdon all give you a scoreless inning from there. And for the LA Angels, I believe that they have now lost 10 straight games. So it's not going well for them out there. It is certainly not necessarily going well for the Kansas City Royals this season, but it was on Saturday, 6-0. They take down the Houston Astros as Luis Garcia. Not a bad start here. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. 
fling home run to Salvador Perez, seventh home run season, but Rafael Montero, who entered in this game with a sub-0 50 ERA, gives up four runs and two-thirds of an inning before Brian Abreu cleans up the mess and for the Houston Astros. And he's trained 10 men on base, Chris with the K. Bubich, who had failed to get out of the first inning twice in home starts this season. Five scoreless innings from there. You wind up having Colin Snyder, Josh Shamout, Scott Barlow, and Audrey Vizcaino all give you a scoreless inning. You did wind up having the L.A. Dodgers wind up losing for the fourth time in their last six games at home. 9-4, to four, the New York Mets are able to take them down as Pete Alonso wound up having a pair of bombs in this one. 14th and 15th home runs of the campaign and his 53 RBI. That ties Jose Ramirez for the league lead. Eduardo Escobar was able to go deep in this one as well. Fourth of the season. And Francisco Lindor wanted to take Walker Buehler for a ride. His ninth of the season as Buehler. Now has a 5.56 home year. Won two and a third innings, giving up five runs, including those two home runs. That has to be his worst home start of his career. Justin Brule from there winds up giving up on those home runs. In one and a third inning, for starter Gradrall gives up three runs in an inning. One of those home runs to Pete Alonso was off of him. Nancy Almonte, Alex Vecilla, Evan Phillips. I'll give you a scroll of saying David Price. Four outside the bullpen. And for Mookie Betts, he wound up having three RBI. He wound up having another nice game. But Trey Turner down for what? I think that he was riding a 26-game in streak. That has now come to an end as David Peterson. Great name. Not a great start here. He does give up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. Now, only one of them was earned as Pete Alonso had a pretty bad error out there in the field. He would make do for it a little bit later. But you had Colin Holderman and Julia Rodriguez goodbye for a scoreless setting. Adam Adovino, Jason Shreve, Seth Lugo will give you a scoreless setting. And Drew Smith it will give you one and a third inning scoreless for the Mets to be able to get it done and continue to be one of the top teams out there in the National League. One of the teams out there in the American League is the Tampa Bay Rays. But they wound up falling to the Chicago White Sox by a count of three to two as... Dylan Cease was not long for this game. He gives up two unearned runs and four and two-thirds innings with one hit. You're probably wondering, oh, why did he wind up leaving this game so early? Seven walks. That was not too terrific as he was hurt by an Jose Abreu error out there in the field. But Aaron Bummer, a scoreless inning along Kendall Graveman and Liam Hendricks. And Hendricks really been picking it up recently. Kyle Crick, one and a third inning scoreless. And Jake Berger was able to go deep off of Jalen Beeks, his fifth home run season. As for the Rays, they wound up getting a very good start out of Drew Rasmussen. Tough luck, no decision here. Seven scoreless innings. Brooks Rayleigh from there puts two men on base in a third of an inning. And then Jalen Beeks, one and two-thirds innings, winds up blowing that home run. That winds up being the difference in the game. The Boston Red Sox, they wind up going on the road and they wind up taking down the Oakland A's by a count of 8-0. For Boston, you wind up having no home runs in this one, but a team that went 7-17 of 17 with men in scoring position as Nick Pavetta. Seven scoreless settings, including seven strikeouts. Tanner Auk and Erikazu Sadamora. From there, I'll give you a scoreless setting for Oakland. Paul Blackburn, who had started out the year very solid, he walks the plank. He gives up four runs in four innings. Now we've seen his ERA start to balloon a little bit. Lou Trevino, A.J. Puck, along with Sam Selman, I'll give you a scoreless inning. But Domingo Tapia, who recently just joined the team, now has a 27 ERA, a third of an inning. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned before. He wind up getting one and two-thirds inning scoreless out of Parker, Markle, and for the Oakland A's, been rough for the team in offense. They wind up putting up a goose egg, so now it's not necessarily too terrific. They wind up taking the L, and the Cleveland Guardians also wind up taking an L. 5-4, the Baltimore Orioles able to take them down as Tristan McKenzie is left out there a little bit too long. Five runs given up over the course of seven innings, including a trio of bombs as 
going deep for the Orioles. Yeah, Trey Boom and Mancini get his fifth home run season. And then Austin the Sayes Kid and Rudador get their sixth home runs of the season apiece. Anthony Ghost was able to give you a scoreless setting. And then for the Orioles, you did wind up having Keegan Aiken in long relief. Expand his ERA north of a two. You wind up having him give up two runs to two innings. But Tyler Wells, two runs give it up over the course of his four innings. Both of them were solo shots. Jose Ramirez, 14th home run of the campaign. And Andres Jimenez winds up going deep for his sixth. But bullpen from there was relatively solid. Felix Batista, a scoreless inning, and then Dylan Tate and Ore Lopez. Combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings and the Arizona Diamondbacks. They wind up going on the road. They fall to the Pittsburgh Pirates by count of 2-1 as the Pirates. Now 4-1 in their last five games. Nothing doing for Arizona on offense. And squanders a very good start from Zach Davies. Seven and two-thirds inning scoreless. Ian Kennedy gives you a nod out of the bullpen, but Mark Melanson has really been having a rough go of it this season. Gives up two runs without getting it out, including the walk-off home run as... Being able to supply that, Mr. Swazniski, Jack Swazniski, his sixth home run season is Ronsi Contreras, relatively solid third year for Pittsburgh. One unearned run, give it up in five and two-thirds innings. Will Crow, Chris Stratton, both give you a scoreless inning, and Dwayne Underwood Jr., one and a third inning scoreless. So we did wind up seeing some very interesting results there, and we wound up seeing another low-scoring game out there in Texas with the Rangers, getting a 3-2 to two win against the Seattle Mariners. as Marco Gonzalez. Gives up three runs over the course of seven innings, including a home run to Adelise Garcia, his ninth home run's campaign, and Glenn Otto, starting to find his way as a big leaguer, gives up two runs over the course of five innings. That was a home run to Jesse Winker. That hurt him third home run season, but then from there, Dennis Santana, Matt Moore, John King, Joe Barlow, all able to give you a scoreless setting in for the Seattle Mariners. You did wind up getting a scoreless setting out of Andres Munoz, so that was for them, but for the Seattle Mariners, Last year, they were just so terrific in one-run games. They were by far the best team out there in the regular season in terms of one-run wins. Right now, with the bullpen starting to fail them, has not been so good. 10-9 and nine thus far this season after they led the lake in that category a season ago. So, something to certainly monitor on the Rangers. Now, 3-9 and nine in one-run games, despite actually having one of the better bullpen ERAs out there in the big league. So, sort of funny how that winds up working and how things are working right now in Major League Baseball is that we are seeing totals start to even out a little bit more as the overs have really been taking hold. 54 overs of 43 unders over the last seven days. That's 55.7% to the over. Underdogs in the science fan, they are getting slaughtered. 32 and 66 straight up our underdogs. 32.7% in the time span. It's been mostly big underdogs that have been able to cash home favorites in the time span. 40 and 15 straight up, but 11 of these home favorites were unable to cover the run line, and we've been noticing that all season long. You take a look at everything in Major League Baseball for 2022. Home favorites, they're hitting at about 59.7%, 298 and 201, but 94 of these instances in which a home team wound up winning straight up only by one run to not cover the run line and overall Unders are hitting at about a 52.1% clip. 390 unders to 358 overs. And overall this season, favorites 473 and 313. That is a 60.2% clip. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's turn the page forward and let's take a look at everything that we've got in Philadelphia with regards to this managerial change and what to expect out of the Phillies moving forward. Ryan Rossin, who does a great job over there with Sports Radio WIP, along with the CityCast. That we wind up doing for Philadelphia over at Beeson, powered by Bat Rivers. He's going to be joining me next to discuss that right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Ben. 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. 
It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest, Brian Rossi. is doing an amazing job at a pair of platforms, Sports Radio WIP. That's one of the best local stations that you're going to find out there in the country when it comes to sports talk radio. That's out there in Philadelphia. And then he does the Philadelphia CityCast. Over here at the Vegas Sands and Information Network that is in partnership with Bet Rivers. Ryan does a great job covering all things Philadelphia sports, whether it be the 76ers, the 
Phillies, which we're going to be talking about today. I'm sure that he's got thoughts on the Eagles. I'm sure that he's got thoughts on the NBA teams. Villanova, the list goes on and on, but we're going to keep it to the big news that we wound up seeing this week with regards to the Phillies. And for Ryan's Twitter handle, you're able to find him at WiseRye, R-Y-E, on Rye altogether. And Ryan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, of course, Greg. Happy to join you as always. And we got a lot to get to. I have plenty of thoughts on the leading headline here in Philadelphia, but I'll let you set the table. Yep, absolutely. I am going to pretty much roll out the red carpet and then let you go from there. As <laughs> we wound up seeing Joe Girardi wind up getting canned on Friday. And did Joe Girardi do the world's greatest job? I think you're in agreement with me. Probably not. But I think that there's a guy whose last name rhymes with Shombrowski that probably deserves a little bit more criticism as well. But I just want to get your thoughts here because we did wind up seeing the Phillies win that first game 10 to 0 as we're doing this a Saturday game. It's to be determined how the Phillies wind up doing that. We're doing this as that game is going on. But with that said, what are your overall thoughts on Joe Girardi getting canned on Friday? Yeah, I'm not surprised by any stretch of the imagination. This is not shocking. It's not earth shattering. Insert adjective here. I saw it coming, quite frankly. I'm not going to sit here and say, I called it. I predicted it. Uh, you know, I, the timing maybe was a tad surprising, but this team was losing and they were losing at an impressive rate here. They got all the way down to 22 and 29 before winning their first game without Joe Girardi on Friday night to improve to 23 and 29. So this is needed. And I will say this, Girardi ain't the problem. He wasn't the problem, I should say now, but he wasn't the most popular guy in the city, Greg. He certainly had plenty of questionable decisions, plenty of questionable non-decisions where he chose maybe not to go to the, you know, a bullpen arm or decided not to, you know, whatever it may be, double switches, whatever he decided to do, pinch runners, giving guy rests, the lineup changes. He was changing the lineup at a alarming rate, uh, the frequency that, you know, Schwarber was batting leadoff. Then the next day he was batting sixth. The next day he was batting fourth. It was just all over the place to the degree of the changes he was trying to make. And we were joking even a couple of weeks ago here in Philadelphia, some other writers for the Philadelphia Inquirer joking, you know, is, is this guy trying to get fired? Like just some of his decisions were so boneheaded. You literally had to pose that question a few different times. So certainly not a surprise. You know, Dombrowski spoke on Friday after the announcement came down that Joe Girardi was fired. And you'd appreciate this. I know you're a runner, Greg, but Dombrowski said, that he went for his daily morning run around the city of Philadelphia. And that's when he made the decision on his 8 a.m. Friday morning run around the city of Philadelphia. He decided then and there that it was time to fire Joe Girardi. So I'm not surprised, but I am not hopeful, right? Like I'm not sitting here giving the Phillies organization standing ovation here now because the problems run deep. This is now over a decade long where we're talking about a Phillies team, regardless of the season, insert any season here, where they're battling to be 500, battling to get a couple games over 500, battling to get a respectable record, battling to win a series against an opponent that they shouldn't be battling to do so in. So this is nothing new here in Philly. The fans are sick and tired of it. You insert Dombrowski, who has just continued to pull out the checkbook and will that work? You know, right now it seems like probably not the best decision to do that. There's still 110 games left to be played. Can this Phillies team end up making a second wild card spot? Sure. You know, absolutely they can. But this is a franchise that went over the $200 million mark in free agents this past winter. They spent more than $700 million the three previous off seasons. 
So this is a team now that is strapped for cash uh, in a figurative sense here with the amount of money that they've spent trying to change the direction of this franchise. And it's just stayed the course of of mediocrity, Greg. Yeah, I mean, it's been really troubling to take a look at Philadelphia as we do have Ryan Rothstein of the Philadelphia CityCast, something that we do over here at Beeson, joining me on the podcast. And how much do you think this was just to try to be able to get a little bit more morale around these guys as well as maybe a little bit of a wake-up call to some of these guys that have been struggling a tad? Because you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, and I mean, the star power is there. You've got Nick Cassianos. You've got JT Riamuto. You've got yourself Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Zach Wheeler. The list goes on and on. And I will say a lot of the guys I mentioned, it's not like they're having terrible seasons or anything like that. It's just one of those cases in which they've made like your buddy at the bar and have been unable to close out these games. And that's really been the issue. How much do you think this was maybe just a little bit more of a rallying cry more than anything else? I think that's exactly what it was. You hear this in any of the professional sports, even at the college level. When you see an in-season firing, a change of direction for leadership at the coaching level, you hear, well, we felt like the team needed a new voice. We felt like, insert voice here, that that voice was no longer being heard, right? Like we've heard that phrase a million times and we'll continue to hear. And that was the pretty much the first words that were uttered from Dombrowski when he spoke on Friday in regards to the Joe Girardi firing. He said, you know, we felt like it was time for a, a change in, in a leadership voice. So this is just a, I don't know if I want to call it desperate, but if someone else that covers a team called it desperate, I, I wouldn't argue him on it. I think it can be called a desperate move to try and insert and inject some life into that clubhouse. And it's just insanity because you look at who's in that clubhouse. Bryce Harper has a jersey hanging up in there. Schwarber has a jersey hanging up in there who's known to be a leader. Castellanos, JT Riomuto, the best catcher in baseball. Zach Wheeler, a Cy Young candidate who's been pitching excellent. He's getting the ball here in just a little bit on Saturday night. So like they have high profile names. They have leaders in the clubhouse. So we think supposedly that wasn't enough. And I do think this will help them in the short term. And oftentimes this type of move does help teams in the short term, right? Because this is on the players. The players should feel guilty about this, that Joe Girardi is no longer their manager. It should help them in the short term, but we'll see how things level out in in a couple weeks with uh, Rob Thompson now leading the way as interim manager. Yep, it is Rob Thomas. Not to be confused by the singer, Rob Thomas. So always be sure of that one as we do have Ryan Rossi Joe to be on the podcast. And what can we expect out of Thompson? Because I and I'll be honest with you, I knew that he was like a bench coach over there for the Yankees for many, many years. But I mean, quite frankly, I don't know a ton about the guy. Is there anything unexpected that we could wind up being able to get out of him? Or is this just very much a very average managerial move, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, if you know anything about him, please let me know. All right, we're on the same page here. You know, this is what we do know, and we're obviously gaining more information here now that he's the manager in the city of Philadelphia. You know, information will be found, information will be put out there, but he's essentially Girardi's best friend, all right? Like Will Farrell and John C. Riley, they were doing karate in the garage together for the past 15 years. So, you know, Rob's been his right-hand man. Now he becomes a manager for the first time in his career. From what it seems, as I'm starting to get to know him, it seems like his personality is vastly different from Joe Girardi's. And and maybe that's not the case, right? But my early assessment of him, he's like the cool, calm uncle 
right? He's like your friend in that parental role, if you will, where Girardi seemed a little bit more cold, a little bit more, not that he was a, a dictator by any means or like a, you know, like a Bob Huggins style of a leader in Girardi, but their leadership styles are clearly different. So I think that was part of the, the thought process in this decision to get a new voice and this new leadership style is going to be different than Joe Girardi. This is a guy that is in the clubhouse already. So you're not obviously bringing in some random guy middle of the year, like where the players are saying, who is this guy? He doesn't know anything about us. We're already in the middle of the season. So there's a lot of areas and details to all of this that make as much sense as it can. Yep. I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how this winds up working out moving forward. And as I mentioned before, we're doing this while the Saturday game is going on, but we do know that for Sunday, it is going to be Kyle Gibson who's going to be taking the mound. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, when Kyle Gibson has been taking the mound, they just have not been able to get wins recently. They have lost each out of his last three starts, despite the fact that he has not been bad whatsoever. He's given up two runs in every one of those starts. And you take a look at Kyle Gibson this year. He has given up three runs or fewer in all but two of his starts. And really, out of his last, I believe, 10 starts, or out of his last eight starts, he has given up three runs or fewer in all but one of them. So Kyle Gibson has been a relatively steady Eddie guy. And I remember the last time I had you on this podcast, we were both in agreement. The starting pitching has not been the issue for this team. But if you take a look at the Phillies entering into Saturday, 23 and 29, what really needs to fall into place for this team to be able to pick it up? Because I just take a look at this Phillies team itself, and it doesn't feel like they should have this record. But here they are staring at a losing record at home, and they just haven't been able to get themselves out of the mud to this point. No, they haven't. And last time we spoke, as you mentioned, starting pitching was not one of the blame game items that that I discussed. And I knew you agreed with me there. You know, it's been the defense. And on Friday night, the Phillies made a couple of really nice defensive plays out in the field. Okay. I mean, it's the Angels who are going into that game, losers of eight straight. Now, Saturday, we'll see what happens. But going into that Saturday game, losers of nine straight, the Angels are. So feels like a get-right spot for the Phillies here, an opportunity to be in a get-right spot at least. We'll see. I'm not assuming anything with this Phillies ball club anymore. you know. But I think it's just a matter of timely hitting, of the bats coming alive, because that's what we discussed in this city leading up to opening day. We were well aware of this team's shortcomings. The bullpen is going to be a concern. What level of starting pitching quality starts are we going to see? Hasn't been that bad. The defense has been an issue. The bullpen's been an issue. Lack of timely hitting has also played a part in this where they look really good. They're scoring a a boatload of runs over a two, three, four game stretch. And then the bats go silent for a series where they're getting shut out two of three. So that can't happen. They put up a 10 spot on Friday. We're not expecting that every night. But we're expecting this offense to carry him. You look at this lineup card when healthy, and you say, that's a pretty good lineup <laughs> offensively on paper. We want some consistency. We want Schwarber to do more. We want Castellanos to do more. We want Harper to do exactly what he's been doing. And if we can get just even those three guys on the same page, we should see some more wins. Seven games under 500. We have plenty of room for upward mobility. So let's just get some consistency from the offense, and we can maybe talk about some dangerous levels of offensive output and production, hopefully. But that's where this thing has to start. And then maybe some of those other issues that are getting magnified you know, start to cool off a little bit and start to be less stressful and obvious. Yep, I am in agreement with you there. If you could just wind up having the little things go right for the Philadelphia Phillies, which 
it feels like in this day and age of baseball, those have certainly went by the wayside a little bit more. It's all become about launch angle, the three true outcomes, mm-hmm. everything like that, maybe trying to get back to a little bit more small ball and look no further than at another team in the division, the New York Mets, who have done just that this year. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise, here they are at the top of the division. Maybe things can wind up turning around for the Phillies as they currently find themselves plus 1,600 to be able to win the division at DraftKings, 16-1. to And I don't think it's very far off. I think you might be able to get a little bit more value than you'd expect. I mean, I would expect it to be more like 13, 14 to 1, but I'm not too out of line with regards to this price. I'm not sure about you. I think that 16 to 1 maybe is a tad bit too high, but at the same time, I don't have any real gripes about it. No, me either. We joked about this last time I was on. You know, Phillies fans saying the Mets are going to Met is is laughable. I mean, rightfully so. Even Mets fans and people that have followed baseball and, and this Mets team, they've been known to collapse and not be able to piece together full summers, full seasons. But this Mets team, Greg, seems to be different this year. I don't see the Phillies being able to catch them. They just dug themselves into way too deep of a hole. There's over 100 games that still need to be played. So certainly anything's possible. I think we've seen crazier. I don't have examples off the top of my head, but I know we've seen some dramatic comebacks, some some awesome months of July and August to put teams back in contention for for a division title and even, you know, capture a division title. I just don't see that happening. I think the Phillies right now just need to figure out how to get above water, stop themselves from drowning and zero in on that second wild card spot and just try and piece together one solid series and then go and try and get another solid series and talk to us in 14, 21 days after some of that actually occurs, but we haven't even seen that yet so far early in this season. So This is the Mets division to lose right now. I don't see them losing it. Yep, I'm in agreement with you there. I mean, we all remember the great Colorado Rockies of the 2007 series season, winning 21 out of their last 22 games to be able to make the postseason. So, I mean, obviously, wild things can wind up happening. You don't want to bank on a team winning 21 out of 22 games to be able to get back into it. Much like the St. Louis Cardinals had to win 17 straight last season to be able to make the wild card. You don't want to be finding yourself in that spot. A spot that you do want to be finding yourself in is listening to Ryan Rossi. Ryan, you do an absolutely amazing job over there at Sports Radio WIP and then the Philadelphia City cast as well. Love the good people at home. Know what's all on tap for both of those and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Greg, I appreciate it as always, man. I got to get you on the Philadelphia City cast soon to talk some baseball as well. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll switch roles here sooner than later, I promise. I'm looking forward to that. But at Wise Rye, that's where you can find everything I have going on on social media, uh, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. You can find when I'm on WIP. You can find links to each and every episode that we're putting out there for you on the Philadelphia City Cast, So just give me a follow there and you'll be able to, to stay up to speed with everything we have. And Ryan, doing absolutely amazing work. Taking a look at a little bit of everything. The landscape of the NBA, NFL, MLB, list goes on and on out there in the great city of Philadelphia. And does a great job of taking a look at things from a national perspective as well. Ryan always brings the goods on this podcast and did so once again today. Big thanks for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the DC Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rival every rematch Every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Ryan Rossine aboard. He is doing a terrific job over there with the Philadelphia City Cats, something that we do over here at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. With regards to all the major cities, we've got specialized city cast for most of them, and Ryan holds it down in Philadelphia, also doing great work with Sports Radio WIP as well. So it is always a pleasure to get him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. Going to be going in the last dissertation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, which will keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And how about if, without further ado, we start with that first game of 901-902 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Zach Gallen is going to be going for the D-backs. And Zach Thompson is going to be on the bump for the Buccos. So, Battle of Zach says it is Gallen who's finding himself for the Diamondbacks. Anywhere between a minus 133 and a minus 140 favorite. Seeing straight minus 130 out there as well. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 123 is your price on the Pirates. 7.5 is your total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 and I did wind up saying the Diamondbacks at a minus 143. I'm going to be willing to ride Zach Gallon once again in this one. He has given up two runs or fewer in terms of earned runs in all but one of his starts thus far this season and a few hiccups in that last start against the Atlanta Braves but you may recall when the DK Nation picks and this one is not the DK Nation pick but it was about a week or so ago that under in Atlanta versus Arizona and he did just enough to be able to get the job done there. He's given up just three home runs in 50 and a third innings and what has really impressed me is that his walks per nine rate is down to about a 2.25. So he's really done a nice job with regards to command. And for Zach Allen, he's been able to do a relatively solid job home to road as well. As a matter of fact, buck 76 road ERA. And then for Zach Thompson, he wound up having right around a 3.25 ERA for the Marlins. And his home and road splits were pretty steady. Eddie wound up having a really bad start to the season, but he's been able to come along for the ride. He has given up a combined seven earned runs over the course of his last six starts. So he has really been able to come through for this team recently at an ERA in the month of May of a 2.45 in that time span. Wound up giving up three home runs in 25 and two-thirds innings. Wound up having a really bad month of April, but I feel like we can throw that away a little bit and take a look at Zach Thompson and what we wound up getting outside of that month. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, well, not necessarily going too great with the offense. Daniel Vogelback is back at the fold. He's really been the top matcher for the team with right around six home runs this season. You do have a couple guys that are able to get on base. Michael Chavis, Cabrian Ace. Both of these guys are hitting right around 290 at just below 300. Topikita Marcano has been able to do a solid job as well. But then you take a look at some of these guys lower on the total pole. Michael Perez. Jax Wozniski, you've got Yu Chang now in the fold, Rodolfo Castro, it's been a hot mess for them and for the years of the Diamondbacks. This team has been in the bottom three in the National League in terms of batting average all season long, but all of a sudden, you've got some contributors. Josh Ross has been hit for right around a 290 with a 372 on base. The batting average isn't there with Christian Walker, but he's been able to supply the boom. He's up to 14 home runs this season. 26 RBI to go with those 14 home runs. You'd like to see that go upward, but Alec Thomas, he's been able to produce. He wound up having two home runs in that game on Friday. He's hitting right around 250. You do have a few younger guys that you'd like to see a little bit more from, like Geraldo Perdomo, and you take a look 
the bullpens for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joe Manatipoli has been rock solid, and this is a very rested Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen because he wound up having Zach Davies deliver an amazing start yesterday. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, all but three of their wins have come out of the bullpen, but you've had guys like Keith Embry, Chris Rand not doing a great job out there. David Bernard has been very consistent and good for this team. He's got a sub-2 ERA, but that said, you did wind up having to use up William Crow yesterday, one of your better relievers, Anthony Banda. He has let the team down as well, so this is a situation which I do think that both of these starters are going to be able to deliver a good start. As a result, I did wind up saying this total at a 7.3, so I'm going to be looking on the under of 7.5, and with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm going to lay up to a minus 147 with them, so we're riding with the Snakes, and we're riding with the under. 903-904 on the betting board, you've got the Washington Nationals. They are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and Luis Castillo is going to be going for the Reds and Patrick Corbin is going to be on the bump for the Nats. Your total on this game is 9. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And with the Reds in between minus 153 and minus 165 is your price. With the Nats, it's anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145. And I want to make it the Reds minus 161 on the money line. But if you're looking at the run line, currently you're finding that at a plus 125 in terms of the Reds run line. I did need at least a plus 125 to be able to take a shot. So this is pretty much a minimum I'd be willing to take. But I'm willing to take it. And with Patrick Corbin. The Nationals have won one of his starts, and in all but one of the losses, they have been by multiple runs. So, it is very clear that when you wind up fading Patrick Corbin, you have some good value on the run line as he has made thus far, far 11 starts and just one of those 10 losses that the Nationals have taken in the actual losses have come by one run, excluding the last start in which he wound up just getting shelved for seven runs and four and a third innings. Team wound up losing that one 10 to zero, and you take a look at Corbin. It's not even like he's giving up a bunch of homers. Seven home runs of 51 and a third innings isn't great, but it's not terrible, but right around four walks per nine innings. The strikeouts per nine rate, that's hovering right around seven and a half, but what is really killing him is that he's just giving up contact in general. You could say that he's getting a little bit unlucky, but opponents on the road are hitting a 347 off of him, and he's got an 817 ERA. It has been really, really bad, and it's not like he's backed up by a good bullpen. Victor Arano right now has an ERA that's hovering right around a 4-ish. He's been able to get a little bit more out of Kyle Finnegan recently, and Tanner Rainey has been able to do a solid job, but he had to use up Paul Espino yesterday, as well as Eric Fetty Wap was unable to get out of the fifth inning. So not ideal on that front, but you do take a look at the lineup for the C-Man. Juan Soto does have 10 home runs. You're expecting a little bit more out of him. The on-base percentage has been pretty solid, but he's only hitting right around a 225 to a 230. But keep it a wheeze, Cesar Hernandez. You're able to throw in there Josh Bell. All these guys are hitting above a 275 for the team, so they've been able to do a nice job. You've even had Mike Calfranco, whenever he's been out there, be able to give this team some solid at-bats. Lane Thomas wound up having three home runs a couple days ago, so that was very solid for the team. And then you do take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. Bullpen has not been too terrific for the team. They had to use up Alexis Diaz out of the bullpen. Jeff Hoffman has been solid, but guys like Tony Santini and Hunter Strickland, they have not been able to get the job done. But you do take a look at this Reds team, and at home this year, they have been able to score at least four runs in I believe that they are now in the neighborhood of 18 of their last 19 games. So they have been a machine on offense, which is why they've been one of the best over teams at home thus far this season. You've got Tyler Stevenson. He's hitting right around 290 for this bunch. Kyle Farmer, he's been able to get on. He's hitting at 265. He's got four home runs over the last 10 days. Nick Senzel is starting to pick it up. Joey Votto, ever since he wanted coming back from the COVID IL, he's looked better. Alberto Mora Jr. 
Jr. He's hitting right around at 313 as well. And then you just take a look at Luis Castillo. And it's not like he's been lights out or anything like that. Certainly has been able to come back and be able to give the team a bit of something. 338 ERA. A little bit below his standard, but certainly not bad. The walks have not been unsightly. He's given up right in the pocket of, I would say, about 2.7 walks per nine innings. Two home runs given up in 26 and two-thirds innings. And the strikeout stuff starting to come back as well. A little bit over nine strikeouts. Per nine innings, you take a look at Luis Castillo and what he wound up doing last year with regards to home-to-road splits just because it's a small sample this year. and wound up having right around 1.6 points lower on his ERA at home than on the road. I do think that the Nationals are going to be able to get to him a little bit, but I certainly think that the Reds are going to be jumping all over the Nats in this one. I'm looking at the Reds' run line personally. I do think that Castillo is going to give up a few runs to be able to keep this overtrain that we've got with the Reds at home going. Semi-total of 9.7, so looking over and looking at the Reds on the run line. 905, 906 on the bank where the San Francisco Giants they throw the facing off against the Miami Marlins. To be determined is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. I've got it just listed as a bullpen game right now myself. And Jacob Junis is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. This game is off the board as a result. And in the case of a bullpen game like I've got for the Miami Marlins, it's just going to be mixing and matching against Jacob Junis. Wound up saying the Giants as a minus 126 favorite and made my total an 8.2, which means an 8 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over and a 9 or higher. I'd be taking a look at an under and for that matter an 8.5 or higher. I would be taking a look at and under both of these teams. They wind up having to dive into the bullpen a little bit more than expected, and for the Giants, they wind up having themselves a bullpen game in the Friday contest, so that's not necessarily too ideal. And for the Giants, they wound up entering into Saturday 27th of the league. In terms of bullpen ERA, that is not too terrific, but what has been good for the San Francisco Giants is that all of a sudden this has been a team that has been able to do a very solid job of being able to put back to ball. You take a look at what they've been able to do here down the stretch. They've been able to put up at least four runs in four of their last five games. And if you want to go back, I believe that's how... 16 out of their last 21 games in which they put at least four runs up on the board. This is a team that is all of a sudden starting to match as you've got Thario Estrada, Joey Vossler, Mikey Strzemski, along with Jock Peterson, all hitting at least 8-270 for Jock Peterson. He has been able to go deep now 13 times this season. Evan Longoria is now back to full for the team, along with Tommy LaSalle. Both of these guys in between about a 235 to 240. You've got to figure that they're going to be starting to pick it up a little bit. And then for the Miami Marlins, this has been a team that has been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball as well. At home, going into Saturday, they were hitting at 255 as a collective. In Miami, you've got Garrett Cooper. has got a 370 on base for the team. Ode Soler lacking with regards to batting average, but a 315 on base. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers. Avicio Garcia now back to full. John Birdie is hitting a 285 as well. And for the Miami Marlins, even though Pablo Lopez wound up getting shaken up a little bit, he was still able to give the team seven innings, and that's very big because they did have to use Stephen O'Kurt on the bullpen. And Lewis said, as seen as ERA go from a buck 13 entering into June is now north of a five. That's not terrific, but Anthony Bass as a sub-2 ERA. Tommy Nance has been able to give this team some solid innings as well, so that is something that you're able to rely upon. And then you do take a look at Jacob Junis, and it's been a little bit of an interesting season for him as he was not necessarily so great while he was with the Kansas City Royals at any point. And thus far this season, he's sort of having the Kevin Gosman effect in which he has really been able to find it. Strikeout numbers certainly are not there like they were for Gosman, just 27 punch-outs and 37 innings, but he's given up right around one home run per nine innings, and what has really been his calling card has been the command. This is a man that is giving the team right around two walks per nine innings. And if I'm seeing this correctly, it looks like Braxton Garrett might be a candidate to be able to get a start 
for the Fish. He has made nine starts in his career for the Fish. I believe that he's completed five innings, something like twice. Might have made it five innings three times. So, I mean, this is pretty much as good as a bullpen game. So, if you are getting a bullpen game, slash Braxton Garrett out there, setting the Giants in that pocket of about a minus 125 to a minus 130. With bullpen game, I wound up having it be right around a minus 126. It might move around by a few pennies, but right in between that minus 125, maybe up to a minus 130. It's what I'm going to be willing to lay with the San Francisco Giants, and total is going to remain the same. Eight or less, I'm going to be taking a look at it over in after higher to the under 907-908 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to be playing us to the San Diego Padres. Mike Clevenger is going to be going for the pods, and Eric Lauer is going to be on the bump for the crew. The crew is signing themselves anywhere team minus 120 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between even money and plus 115. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And with Lauer, I want to make it on a minus 138 favorite with Eric Lauer. Guy has been absolutely lights out this season, and the Brewers, they need to get up off the mat a little bit, and I think that this is the man to do it. 5-1 record, 249 ERA. You take a look at what Eric Lauer has been able to do at home this year. It's a small sample size of three starts, but a 0-90 ERA. He's given up two runs, both on solo home runs, in 20 innings thus far this season. His walks per nine rate is currently sub-1 at home. Now, overall, he's been giving out right around 2.8-ish walks per nine innings. Opponents are getting a 214 off of him and the swing and miss stuff. That is certainly there. He's been able to get north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And you take a look at Sunshine Clevenger, and he's been getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. The problem for Clevenger has just been health in general. This is going to be his first start since May 17th, so he wound up being out of the fold a little bit. And in his first three starts, not too bad. I mean, he's posting up an ERA of a 321, wound up going about 14 innings, giving up in that time span five runs. So doing a solid job of being able to hold down the fourth. The big thing is you have to rely upon the San Diego Padres bullpen, and fortunately for the San Diego Padres, they've been able to get some great length the last two days. Mackenzie Gorgo, six scoreless yesterday, two days ago. Joe Musgrove, he was able to complete eight, so these guys are very well rested, even though you did wind up having to use up guys like Taylor Rogers and Abel Crisman yesterday. You saw Craig Stammen out there in the bullpen. Someone even like a Lewis Garcia is going to be able to give you some innings today, and that is going to be very solid for the team. And if you really wanted to, I'm pretty sure that you could piggyback someone like a Nick Martinez because now you've got Blake Snell back in the starting rotation as well. So Padres have some options there. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, good news with this team is that you've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader arrested for this team. But I mean, the reason why I couldn't make the Brewers a DK Nation pick on this one is because you wound up having one guy in the starting lineup that was not the catcher in Alex Jackson, who now has 12 at-bats this year, and is sitting above a 240. Jackson wound up getting thrown out the full just because it's a small sample size. Rowdy Tellez, the only guy that has seen consistent at-bats, currently hitting above a 240 that wound up getting it at-bat. Yes, sir, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers, but and this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that thus far in the series, they scored as many runs as I have now. I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up. Colton Wong, he does have a 320 on base. Andrew McCutcheon is not walking a lot. He's in a little bit of a funk, but Tyrone Taylor, you know, throwing their Christian Yelich, who wound up getting the day off yesterday. Kessin Yura, Jace Peterson, and these guys are all in between about a 225 to a 240 You got to figure that that's going to be a little bit better. And for the Padres, it's been a very top-heavy lineup as Manny Machado sitting at 342. He has been absolutely terrific for the team. But take a look past that because Eric Hosmer wanted King the day off yesterday. You wound up having two other guys in the starting lineup that are hitting a 231 themselves. That would be Ode Alfaro. He's hitting right around 262. And 
You had a young outfielder in Jose Azucar who's been able to do a solid job as well. I do think that runs are going to be at a premium in this one. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.3 despite the fact that Clevenger had some time off. I think that he's going to do a good job against a depleted Milwaukee Brewers team that currently is dealing with injuries to William Adamas along with Hunter Renfro, but I do like Lauer a little bit more in the spot. I'm looking at the Brewers to be able to pick it up a little bit more, and I don't think that the Brewers are necessarily going to do a great job on offense, but I certainly see more than a zero for them. Looking at an under on 7.5, and I'm looking at the Cruz. 909-910 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals, they throw the facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs, and you got Wayno, Adam Rainwright, going to be on the bump for St. Louis. This is a total that's off the board. The Wrigley Field win always winds up determining this one, so you probably aren't going to be finding any totals up until like 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. Eastern time, so just be mindful of that. And when it comes to what you're going to be getting with regards to starting pitchers, Wainwright, he is finding himself a little bit of a favorite here, anywhere between a minus 132 and a minus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Steele, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125, and I want to make Wainwright minus 132 in this spot. I'm seeing a minus 132 right now. That's the absolute max that I'm willing to lay. I'm going to be holding off a little bit for the time being, trying to see if we could perhaps wind up getting maybe a little bit more of a favorable run line price as well as it looks like at the time of this game, because this is going to be the Sunday night game. This is going to be at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Wind is going to be blowing in, but right around 7 miles per hour. So it should have a little bit of an impact on this game, but it's not going to have some sort of a massive impact on this game, if that makes sense. And I did wind up saying my total as a result at a 7.4. I'm looking at a 7 or less over and a 7 half or higher to the under now. Both of these teams did wind up having to expend quite a bit of their bullpens yesterday because, well, it was a doubleheader. That's just what winds up happening. But with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals, I do think that they've got a little bit of a leg up with that regard. And they did a good job of being a piggyback, guys. Like, you take a look at game one, you on LV8, along with Jake Woodford. They wound up piggybacking one another. So guys like a Giovanni Gallegos, you take a look at someone even like a... Genesis Cabrera, these guys are going to be available on them for the Cardinals. Lineup has been very solid for this team. Paul Goldschmidt wound up having his hit streak of, I believe, 24 or 25 games. Gets snapped in game one of that doubleheader, but still has right around 430 on base. Double digit amount of formers, Nolan Arenado. It's cooled off a little bit from the beginning of the season, but he's still got 10 bombs. He's been able to 280 for the team. Brendan Donovan is sitting at 300. You've been able to have Nolan Gorman at above a 300 for the team. Tommy Edmond, a 280. So that's been solid. And for the Chicago Cubs, you do have quite a few guys getting on base for you guys. Rafael Ortega, coupled with Ian App, Christopher Morrell, Wilson Contreras. All these guys are in really between a 262 to a 275 in the case of everyone except for Morrell. It's hitting a little bit closer to a 285. These guys have all been able to do a solid job. Would be able to draw some walks. Nico Horner sitting at 290. Patrick Wisdom has really been the main form of power for this team. 12 home runs, but the big bugaboo that you've got with him is that he is striking out in well over 40% of his at-bats. I mean, he's got 72 strikeouts thus far this season, and we're... Yeah, he's on pace for over 200 strikeouts, so that's not necessarily too terrific. And then for the Cubs... They wound up having to expend quite a bit of their bullpen yesterday, which is not necessarily too terrific. And we've seen some regression with guys like Scott at first row and Wick. It doesn't sound bad when you say that their ERAs are hovering right around the three-ish range, but these are a pair of guys with sub-two ERAs. 
about 14 days ago. So, man, I've certainly not been able to do a terrific job there. You've seen Michael Givens be able to give you some relatively solid innings. Clint Frazier is back at full with regards to the offense as well. But you take a look at Adam Wainwright, and I do think that he's going to be able to deliver a good start. He's given up right around three blocks for nine innings thus far this season, but Command seems to be coming back from two walks or fear and now four out of his last five starts, and he's given up three earned runs or fear in each out of his last five starts, and as a matter of fact, a total of six runs in those last five starts, so he has really been able to rein it in, and just a 310 ERA on the road. Meanwhile, for Justin Steele, he's been able to do a little bit better with being able to reduce the walks, but that said, he still has been giving out a walks per nine rate of right around five this year. Two walks or fewer in four out of his last five starts. That is good of being able to rein it in. Three runs or fewer given up in four out of his last five starts. So I do expect a little bit of a better effort here, and I do think that this bullpen is going to be bouncing back a little bit. And for Steele, 438 home ERA, 7.04 road ERA. He has been significantly better at home than on the road, giving up just two home runs thus far this season. So as a result, I did wind up setting this total probably a little bit lower than what I think bookmakers are going to be setting it at. Seven or less looking over seven and a half prior to the under. But with the Cardinals willing to lay up to minus 132 on the money line, because we don't have totals, we don't have a run line price. I'd be willing to take a shot on the Cardinals as long as getting at least a plus 135 here. So I'm in a little bit of wait and see mode just because this is a circumstance in which we just don't have a total. And as a result, we don't have run lines. But right now, as of the current numbers that we've got, Currently looking to target the Cardinals in some form or fashion. 9-11-9-12 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves, they throw they're going to be facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Ryan Feltner is going to be going for the Rockies. And Charlie Morton for Atlanta. Atlanta is finding themselves as a relatively good favorite here. You're going to be finding them in between minus 153 and minus 160. Meanwhile, between plus 135 and plus 146 is your price on Colorado. With Atlanta, I did wind up making them a pretty good-sized favorite myself. I wound up setting them as a minus 157. And if you're taking a look at the run line on Atlanta, right now you're finding it right around a minus 110. And minus 110 is the absolute max that I'm going to be willing to lay here. But I am willing to lay it with Atlanta in this spot. I would rather lay a minus 110 on the run line rather than about a minus 153 on the money line. I would love to be able to get more like a minus 105. But if all I wind up getting is a minus 110, so be it. Because with regards to Gore's Field, as we know, it's a pretty herky-jerky ballpark in which crazy things can wind up happening. So it's very easy to be able to get that multi-run win. And all of a sudden, you've got Matt Olson starting to be able to get on base for the team north of a 350 on base. And the top of lineup has been able to do a solid job as well as everyone sitting at least at 260 with regards to their top four hitters. You've got Austin Riley and get 265-13 bombs. Sansi Swanson sitting at 280 and Ronald Cunha Jr. Only two home runs this season but nine stolen bases, 300 batting average and limited at-bats. William Contreras has been able to 300 for this bunch as well. So Other than Adam Duvall, these guys have been able to pick it up and for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they hit right around 50 points higher at home than on the road. C.J. Crone out of his 14 home runs this season, 10 of them have come at home and at home he's hitting right around like a 380. It's absolutely ridiculous. Randall Gritchick has been a nice pickup. He's hitting a 275. Connor Joe makes this thing go. He's been lit at 275. Got a lot of guys that they just perform so much better at home rather than on the road. And with the Colorado Rockies, this team is said last in terms of bullpen ERA right now. It's not been a good season for guys like Robert Stevenson. You've been able to have a little bit more with regards to Daniel Bart. He's been able to do a very solid job for the team. But Carlos Estevez, north of a 5 ERA. So guys other than Tyler Kinley and really Bart have really been letting the team down. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves and... 
Got a lot of guys doing a solid job out of the bullpen. Will Smith always makes things interesting. Right around 370 ERA, you'd like to see a little bit more there, but been able to get some relatively solid innings when it's not a big high leverage save situation from Kenley Jansen. Every time they go ahead and get stuff, it's not necessarily so great, but in those lesser spots, he's always able to do a solid job. AJ Minter has been able to give you some good innings after a rough start to the season. Kel McHugh is starting to figure it out as well. And then when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of Charlie Morton, it was a very rough start to the season, but he seems to be figuring it out. Someone who wound up having a better road ERA than a home ERA last season. He's going to be going up against a young gun and Ryan Feltner. I will say 20 strikeouts in 17 innings. He's made three starts thus far this year. He has not been terrible for the team. Gave up four runs in his first start against Philadelphia ever since then. Now, it's against the Marlins and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but combined 12 innings, giving up three runs in the process. He's only given up five walks, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there, but getting back to Charlie Morton, has been getting t- touched up a little bit. Three plus runs given up in each out of his last three starts, but this is someone that I do think is going to be able to figure it out in this spot. So has been able to do a relatively solid job of be able to get swings and misses right around eight punch outs per nine innings. Big thing with him has been he's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. I do think that he is going to be able to figure it out. So I'll bank on positive progression here with Charlie Morton and look at the Atlanta Braves on the run line. I do think that 12 is just a little bit too far, even with how bad the Colorado Rockies have been. I do think that Feltner is going to be be able to lend a relatively solid outing here and then turn it over to a bullpen that is not going to be doing such a great job. So taking a look at the under and looking at the brace on the run line. 9-13, 9-14 on the bank board. The New York Metropolitans at the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. One Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers and Trevor Williams is going to be on the bump for the Metropolitans. The Mets are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 155 and a plus 170 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, it's anywhere between minus 180, minus 190 on the money line. I'll just give you the run line right now. Plus 110 if you're looking to lay a run and half. And after nine is your total on the eight and a half. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders between minus 105 and plus 105 on the nine. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. And with this total, I did wind up setting it a little bit lower. Made mine an 8.3. It is a daytime game out there in LA, so ball is going to be traveling a little bit more. But take a look at the Dodgers and the pitching hasn't necessarily been too bad for this team. It's obviously been a case in which you've had a couple less than trustworthy starters in. One of those guys has been Julio Rios recently. And what I find to be interesting about Julio Rios is that over the last two seasons, he's had a worse home ERA than a road ERA, and that's manifested itself this season. 352 home ERA, 240 road ERA. I do think that he's going to be able to figure it out a little bit more because the opponent's batting average is pretty much the same home and road. He's only given up two walks in 23 innings at home this season. He's just given up six home runs in 23 innings. I think a little bit of this has just been bad luck in general. He's been getting fewer swings and misses this year. It's down to a right around seven punch outs per nine innings, but you also take a look at Trevor Williams, and he's got an ERA that's nearly triple, and I'm not even kidding, triple when he is starting rather than when he is coming out of the bullpen. He did wind up delivering five scoreless against the Washington Nationals in a starting spot, but prior to that, wound up giving up four runs in four innings against the Colorado Rockies in a start. He wound up having the memorable two-inning start against the Arizona Diamondbacks, where he wound up giving up four runs, so he has been clearly better coming out of the bullpen thus far this season, and for Williams, 502 road ERA compared to a 203 home ERA, so that is a little bit troubling, and as a result, I did wind up making the Dodgers minus 182 on the money line, and was willing to take anything above a plus 105 on the run line. Typically, they go in increments of 5 cents, so pretty much a plus 110 or greater, which we've got right now. Some 
I'm willing to take a shot on the Dodgers on the run line. I would need to get to at least a plus 180 to be able to consider the Mets on the money line, and I just don't think we're going to get there. And you do take a look at this Mets team, and they've been able to do a tremendous job of being able to play small ball. You take a look at the starting lineup yesterday, you wound up having two guys in the starting lineup hitting below a 255. One of those is a backup catcher, Patrick Mazeka. Typically, he's not in there. You wind up having someone else at the catcher's spot, whether that be Thomas Nito or someone else. So that's a little bit of a just strange circumstance and Eduardo Escobar only getting a 225 but his zombies has still been right around a 325 as well and then you take a look at the LA Dodgers and it's been a little bit touch and go with regards to this offense. Justin Turner down for one is starting to pick it up. He's still hitting for the year though right around a 230. Hasn't been able to walk as much this season. You do take a look at the top lineup though. Trey Turner down for what? Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman all these guys hitting at least a 289 all these guys at least a 355 on base and Turner entered into the night on Saturday with I believe a 25 or 26 game hit streak. Mookie Betts is right now looking like an MVP. 16 home runs. He has been absolutely magnificent for the scene, but Cody Bellinger, once again, he is stinking up the joint. He's hitting a 215. It's been ever since the Dodgers won the World Series, a big giant slog from Max Muncy has been dealing with some injuries. Will Smith sort of been in and out of the lineup. He's got a good on base, but he's only hitting a 222. But for the Dodgers, what I think is critical is just the bullpen getting back to form. And we have been seeing some of the answer guys like Alex Facia, along with Evan Phillips, be able to do a solid job. It's honestly been guys like Craig Gimbrell that have not been able to get the job done. And for the New York Metropolitans, bullpen has been a little bit up and down. They wound up giving up on Aaron Loop along with Miguel Castro in the offseason. I'm at Adovino along with Julie Rodriguez. They've had a little bit of a tough season, but Drew Smith right around at 2-4 ERA. He's been solid for this team. Colin Holderman has been seeing some innings and he's actually been really good. He's given up like one run in his appearances thus far, so he's been able to do a solid job there. Adam Adovino is a little bit troubling, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Williams starting to figure it out a little bit more in the starting role, and I do think that Uli Orias is going to be able to deliver a better start at home. I wound up saying the sold at 8.3, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and with the Dodgers, I'm going to be taking a look at a run line, set the minus 182 on the money line, was willing to take anything north of a plus 110 on the run line, so looking run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the total under as we go to 915-916 on the betting board. You've got the Detroit Tigers in the red face up against the New York Yankees. One Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees, and you've got Ronnie Garcia who's going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves as a very sizable underdog here. Finding them anywhere between plus 245 and a plus 250. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, you're finding this anywhere between minus 280 and minus 310. Enough is your total. The over is minus 120, and the under is even. I wound up setting this money line as one in which I need at least a plus 265 to be able to take a shot on the Tigers. I'm not willing to lay a minus 285 here on the Yankees money line if you're looking at the run line. Currently, you're finding that right around a minus 140. I'm going to be willing to nibble here. Minus 140 is pretty much a maximum I'm going to be willing to lay on this run line. But with that said, I'm going to be willing to lay it in this spot. I mean, it's just a bad Tigers team in terms of the offense right now. For Jordan Montgomery, it's been a steady Eddie pitcher. This is not a guy that's going to be winning the Cy Young Award or anything like that. But he's got home and road splits that are relatively equal. And he's got a 304 ERA. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings. And what's 
really been impressive with him. Right around 1.6 walks per nine innings. And I will say Ronnie Garcia, for being like the number nine, number 10 starter for this team, hasn't been terrible. Been someone that has been coming out of the bullpen recently up until these last few starts. And he did wind up getting shelved for six runs his last start against the Minnesota Twins. Prior to that, he was posting up an ERA that was hovering right around a three-ish. So I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. But this is a very rude awakening having to go up against the New York Yankees overall. Garcia is allowing opponents hit just a 200 off of him. It's just been a case in which it's been a little bit of bad luck whenever he's gotten guys on base. But you do take a look at this New York Yankees lineup. And the only way this total winds up going over is if they wind up hitting the overall by themselves. Because right now you've got Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo combined for 34 home runs this season. The Tigers of the, as a team at 30. So that's not necessarily too terrific. Judge is hitting a 316. And got quite a few guys that have been able to get on base for this team. You take a look at Gleyber Torres, DJ turned it up, LeMayu, Isaiah Kinnair, Falefa. All these guys are in between a 247 and a 267 with Torres. He's now up to 10 home runs as far this season. John Carlos Sand has been dealing with injury, but even with that, you've been able to have Matt Carpenter be able to give this team some home runs, which is not something I expected to say, but that's been the case. And then you just take a look at the Detroit Tigers team, and I'm just going to outline how bad this offense is right now. It doesn't matter if they're going up against righties or lefties or just any of the splits. They just stink a rooney. But you've got Eric Koss, Lonche Amir, Candelario, Johnson Skull, Pavi Baez, Spencer Torkelson, Robbie Grossman, throwing their Tez Cameron. All these guys are all hitting below 200. I mean, it's just absolutely terrible right now. You don't have a single guy that has more than five home runs. That's all that needs to be said. But the reason why I do like this total under, Tigers are a top five team in terms of bullpen ERA. Andrew Chafin has right around a three ERA. Michael Fulmer as well. You've been able to get some very solid innings out of Alex Lang, who's been posting up a two ERA. Willie Peralta is a long guy. He's a 0.81 ERA. So, I mean, these guys have been able to do a good job coming and hold down the fort. And for the Yankees, the bullpen is a little bit more depleted. Chad Green, he is out of the fold. He's got Tommy John surgery so we're not going to be seeing him. And Manny Benuelos is now in the bullpen. That's not necessarily too terrific, but Clark Schmidt has actually been able to give you some relatively solid innings up to ERA out of him. Wandy Peralta has been nasty. Clay Holmes, he's currently got a 0.34 ERA, so in the Yankees bullpen, I think that it's going to be just fine. I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees on the run line in this spot because I just think that the Tigers, after getting shut out the first two games of the series, I think that they're going to score more than zero, but I don't know how much more than zero it's going to be. Probably going to be more like one or two. So looking at the under and I'm looking at the Yankees to be able to win this game of multiple runs. 917-918 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles going to be playing us to the Cleveland Guardians. Zach Plesak is going to be going for the Guardians and Dean Kramer is right now my projected starter on the betting board. It is to be determined, which is why this is a game that's currently off the board. But as long as we get Mr. Kramer, I am going to be setting the Guardians at a minus 140 plus 118, laying a run and a half and set my total at a 9.4 which means a 9 or less. I'd be taking a look at an over and a nine and a half or higher. We'll be taking a look at an under, and if we do wind up getting Dean Kramer, you take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2020 season, and oh boy, it was that great. He wound up making three minor league relief appearances this season slash starts, and in his three minor league stints, hasn't been going well. He's got a north of four ERA down there, and Dean Kramer's career ERA across 17 starts last two seasons, 684. 
four. He's able to give you nearly nine strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also giving up more than two home runs per nine innings, a walks per nine rate, right around four and a half. He has not impressed me at the minor league level. It's just not good in general. And then you take a look at Zach Plesak. He has not been too terrific either. 493 ERA, though I will say it's been sort of touch and go with him. In his last five starts, he's given up five runs, five runs, two runs, seven runs, and one run. So he has been all over the place with Mr. Plesak on the road this season. A 752 ERA at home, more like a 310. So he has not been at his best when he has been traveling. 273 opponents batting average overall this season. He's not going to put guys on cheaply. Right around two and a half walks per nine innings, but also right around a one and a half home runs per nine rate as well. And you do take a look at the Cleveland Guardians and it's a team that's really ripping the cover off the ball. Four plus runs in every single game thus far this month, and they're able to take it back to last month as well. This is a team that they have scored at least four runs in each other last five games. I don't think that that's going to be slowing down anytime soon as you've got Jose Ramirez. 14 home runs, 53 RBI. He's hitting nearly a 300 for the team, and on top of that, you've got guys that are going to be able to get on base for the team as Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Stephen Kwan, who's been a little bit banged up all these guys, at least at 333 on base. Andres Jimenez, he's hitting a 300. Oscar Gonzalez has been able to hit a 3 60 in his limited amount of at-bats and for the Guardians it's a relatively solid bullpen as well Emmanuel Classe has been one of the better closers out there in the big leagues you've been able to get some good innings out of Sam Hentages who's got a sub 2 ERA in Xanlin has come down in and has been able to hold down the fort a lot and yell de los Santos both of those guys 3 ERA or lower and for the Baltimore Orioles the bullpen has been absolutely amazing Cianel Perez has been able to give you right around a buck 50 ERA you've got the same out of Ore Lopez, Zillan Tate as well I do think that we're going to see some regression and you did wind up having to see Keegan Aiken and Felix Batista come out of the bullpen yesterday, so that does wind up depleting them a little bit for. Well, you gotta figure it's gonna be a game of which, if it is Dean Kramer that winds up getting the start, and I fully expect it to be him, you're gonna need to have someone wind up being able to eat a couple innings. That is not gonna be terrific for them. So, as a result, set the Guardians minus 140 on the money line, plus 118 on the run line, and nine or less looking over nine and a half prior to the under 919, 920 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins at the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays as we got Kevin Gosman, who's going to be on the mound for the Jays, and Devin Smeltzer is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota has found themselves shock, shock, surprise, surprise as an underdog. You're getting them between plus 160 and plus 175. Meanwhile, with Gosman and company, it's anywhere team minus 190, minus 195, seeing straight minus 186 as well. 80 is your total, over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. I want to making the Blue Jays minus 192, so I cannot get there on the Twins money line unless we wind up getting north of a plus 190. If you're looking at the run line, currently finding it at a plus 110. I was willing to lay a minus 105 in this spot, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays on the run line. I do think that this is maybe a little bit too much respect for this Minnesota Twins pitching staff. The bullpen hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible. Neilio Pagan being on the injured list, that's not too terrific. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Danny Columbia as well, so that winds up depleting them just a tad, and then you take a look at Kevin Gosman. My goodness, this guy has been absolutely terrific for this Blue Jays team. It's been a Blue Jays team that they themselves have been towards the bottom of the league in terms of opening array, but Jordan Romano has been able to do a, a pretty solid job in safe situations. David Phelps has been able to give you a 225 ERA. It's really been guys like Trevor Richards that have not been able to do a terrific job. Jeremy Beasley, someone that I don't trust him, but what I do trust in is the Blue Jays continuing to be able to put back to balls. This is a team that all of a sudden, they have really been able to find it with the Blue Jays. They wound up entering into this series having scored at least eight runs in each out of their last, I believe it was eight games. I wound up getting snapped in game number one against the Twins, so now they're up to nine out of their last 10, and you take a look at it, and 
I've now got a double-digit amount of homers out of both George Springer along with Flagger Jr. Jr. Ryan's going deep for his 12th homer on the season yesterday. He's now hitting a 340 in terms of the on-base. He, Bo Bichette, Ramiel Tapia, they're all in between about a 243 to a 257. Got to figure that that's going to be going upward. Alejandro Kirk is hitting above a 300. Teos Hernandez, he has really been able to bust out. He was in an almighty funk, but you take a look at him over the last 15 days, and he's hitting well above a 260. So it's starting to come around for him, and then the Minnesota Twins just not been able to get a lot out of Byron Buxton this year. I mean, he's hitting a 215 right now with a 295 on base. The home runs are nice. He's been able to give the team 12 bombs in 40 games, but man, he has not been himself the last few weeks. Trevor Larnish, he's hitting a 265. Luis Arias, a 432 on base. He's been terrific. Gilbert Sassino has been able to get on base as well. Along with Nick Gordon, he's hitting right around a 250 as well, but Jose Miranda has not been able to do a great job. Miguel Sano is still out of the fold for the team as well, and you've been able with the injuries to Max Kepler as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, Dylan Bundy was able to get seven outs yesterday, so that winds up depleting the bullpen even further. And for Devin Smeltzer, very much a pitch-to-contact guy. He has made, I believe now, four starts this year. It might be five, but he's been able to do a solid job in those four starts, giving up just four runs. He's averaging four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Now, the walks are very solid. He's giving up one walk per start, so sub two walks per nine innings, but also take a look at the competition. He's one up against Royals twice, the Detroit Tigers, the Cleveland Guardians. This is a step up in competition, and for Kevin Gosman, he's given up two home runs in 61 innings as far this season. His walks per nine rate is sub one. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is a little bit over 10. I mean, this guy has been absolutely terrific, so I'm going to be willing to take the Blue Jays here on the run line. I did want to say my total is 7.8. I do think that the Twins are going to give up a few runs, and I do like the way that the Toronto Blue Jays rounding into form in terms of their offense. I just don't think that the Twins are going to be able to catch up to Gosman. So looking at the under and looking at the Blue Jays on the run line. 921-922 on the bank board. Chicago White Sox at the road faceoff against the Tampa Bay Rays. Lucas Chilito is going to be going for the White Sox. And it's either going to be Ryan Yarbrough or an opener with regards to the Rays. So we have an idea as to Yarbrough being some sort of a bulk guy. We just don't know if he's going to be starting or if he's going to be coming out of the bullpen, which is why this is a game that's off the board. But I assumed Ryan Yarbrough would be the starter. And with Yarbrough starting, I want to make him a minus 114 favorite. And maybe a total of 6.8 to where he's 6.5 or less, looking at an over and a 7 or higher to the under. And I do think that it is important whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is a starter or a bulk guy. They've used him primarily as a starter. And hasn't necessarily worked the greatest this year. A 4 ERA for him in his six total appearances. Opponents are at 2.50 off of him. He's given up three home runs in 27 innings. Walks have not been too bad, right around 2.7 walks per nine innings. But for his career, Ryan Yarbrough actually does have a full point lower on his ERA when he comes out of the bullpen rather than as a starter. So if you do wind up having a bulk guy come in like Jalen Beeks maybe open for him, I would be willing to maybe lower this by a few pennies. It all depends upon what we wind up seeing with regards to the lineup of the White Sox as well, though. But you do take a look at Lucas Giolito. It's been a little bit of an up-and-down season for him. Thus far, he's been able to post up a 361 ERA, but it's been far worse on the road than he has been at home. 463 road ERA, 237 home ERA. Typically, he's been a little bit better on the road than this. He typically doesn't wind up having demonstrative home and road splits. And the big thing has been, it's been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. And the walks have always been troubling with him. Three and a half walks per nine innings. This is a White Sox team that they've also been dealing with a couple of ailments 
when it comes to the bullpen. Kendall Graveman has just been able to come back for this team. He and Liam Hendricks are a good one-two punch, but in order to get Hendricks in the game, you need to be able to have a lead. That's a little bit of an issue. Jose Ruiz, Bennett Sosa, both of these guys have been not necessarily so terrific out there in the bullpen. Sosa right around a 70 or and then for the Tampa Bay Rays. This bullpen has been lights out. J.P. Fireisen enters into the weekend, having not given up an earned run all season long. Jalen Beeks did wind up getting used up yesterday, so he's probably not going to be an opener. You'd expect it to be probably Matt Weisler as a result, but he's got a buck fifty ERA. Jason Adams, sub one ERA, and the big thing for the Rays is just being able to get a little bit more power because Mike Zanino was so good for the team last season. Just four bombs this season. He's sitting right around a buck fifty. The bottom of the lineup with guys like a Brad Phillips. You're able to throw in there their young shortstop and Mr. Vidal Brujan. They're all inning at a 200 or lower, but Randy Orozarena, G-Man Choi, Andy Diaz, these guys are in between about a 260 to a 275. Manuel Margot, a 380 on base from the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson being out of the fold, that really hurts the team. Andrew Vaughn has been able to hit right around 285 along with Luis Robert, so these guys have been able to do a solid job. And for Jose Abreu, you take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and all of a sudden, he has been able to pick it up. This is a man that in the last 15 days is hitting a 400. So he is seeing the ball very, very well. But yes, Body Grandal's had a really bad year. Reese McGuire is starting to pick it up, but he's selling right around at 210. AJ Pollock has had a rough year. Jake Berger is hitting right around 240. So I do take a look at this spot with Yarbrough as a starter. Set the raise at a minus 114. Any success for less to the over, seven or higher to the under. Subject to a little bit of change, especially if we wind up getting a bulk guy. But that's what I'm taking a look at right now. 923, 924 on the bank board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us the Houston Astros. From Valdez is going to be going for the Astros. And you've got John Easley is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves as an underdog. Find them anywhere team plus 175 and plus 188. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Strohs, it's anywhere team minus $2 and minus 210. Nine is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. I felt like the Astros should be a pretty sizable favorite here. Some of them has a minus 168. I was willing to nibble as long as we got the Royals at a plus 170 or greater. And that's what we've got right here with John Easley. It certainly has not been going well for him, but I think that this is blown a little bit out of proportion. John Easley is not going to continue to give up eight walks per nine innings. You take a look at his minor league numbers, and he's got better command than this. He's given up at least three walks in each out of his first four starts this season. I think that he's going to have to work on that just a little bit, and I do think that he's going to be able to do so. He's given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts thus far, and he's won five-plus innings each out of the last three. So even with the terrible command that he's had thus far, he's found a way to be able to persevere. And then for Framber Valdez, this is a guy that he himself... He gives up a little bit over three blocks per nine innings. He's been able to do a very solid job thus far this season, as I believe that he's given up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts. He wound up having a rough one against the LA Angels a little bit earlier in the season, but past that, he's been able to do a nice job. But it's not like Framber Valdez is a guy that's just a strikeout machine or anything like that. Right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, he's really been relying upon soft contact. Two home runs and an opponent's batting average of a 214 across 63 innings thus far this season. And you take a look at Valdez, buck 40 road ERA, 444 home ERA. I think I think that the Omi area is going to go down, and I think that the Rhodey area is going to rise a little bit as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, they did a very solid job of being able to shut down the Houston Astros yesterday with the Astros. You've got Jose Altuve along with Michael Brantley, who both have been able to get on base. Both of these guys are north of a 345 on base, sitting between a 267 and a 277. And for Jordan Alvarez, sitting at 285 with 15 home runs. He has been absolutely tremendous for this team. Kyle Tucker has been able to get on base. He, Jeremy Pena, both between a 325 and a 335 on base. And for Pena, he's now been able to give the team right around eight bombs. He's hitting a 275. But for the Kansas City Royals, Whit Merrifield over the last 30 days is now hitting above a 250. Andrew Benatendi, he continues to be a constant for the team. He's hitting a 330. 
MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, both of these guys are hitting at 265, Salvador Perez. At some point, you got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up. He hit a home run yesterday, hitting a buck 85 for the season. I'm not saying that he's hitting a 300 this year with 48 bombs like he got last season, but I certainly do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression there. And this is a Royals bullpen that has been in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of ERA. And I do think that it's going to be able to improve as the season winds up going along. Josh Shamo, he's right now got an ERA that's hovering right around at 365. You've been able to get some good innings out of Joel Payams as well. They picked up Albert Bray, who should be able to boost up this bullpen as well. They did wind up having to use up Colin Snyder yesterday, and that's honestly a good thing. He's got north of a 5 ERA. So I do take a look at the Royals, and should they be an underdog in this spot? Absolutely, but I do think that there's a little bit of upside with Easley enough to be able to take a shot at this big of a plus price. So I am going to be taking a look at the Kansas City Royals in this spot, and I do wind up saying my total at an 8.8. Here at a 9, it's gotten up a little bit too high, especially with the Astros being by far the best under team out there in the big league. So we're going to be taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Royals. 925-926 is the DK Nation pick. As if you got yourself the Walker, Texas Rangers playing us to the Seattle Mariners. George Kirby going for the Mariners, and Marti Perez is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being a favorite. Any were team minus 113 and minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Seattle, you're going to be finding them in between plus 103 and plus 107. Your total on scheme is saying between 8 and 8.5. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8th. The over is minus 120. And the under is even. And I said the Rangers at a minus 143. Our DK Nation pick is going to be on Martin Perez and company. Now, do I expect Martin Perez to continue quite what he's done to this point this year? No, because it's unsustainable. He is 4-2 with a buck 42 ERA. No home runs given up in 63 and a third innings. And he's doing this while he's getting right around six and a half to seven strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, that just is something that cannot wind up continuing, but... What he's really done a good job of is being able to limit the walks. Last few years in Boston, he's been giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. He's right in the pocket of right around 2.1, 2.2 walks per nine innings. And you just take a look at what he wound up doing in the month of May. He wound up getting six starts and he allowed three earned runs. That's a 0.64 ERA. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's going up against the Seattle Bears team that has been having a little bit of a rough go of it. They were able to get one of the games earlier in this series, but you do take a look at the Seattle Mariners bunch and you got Ty France. He's been able to do a very solid job hitting at 335. He's been able to give you 36 RBI, but you don't have a single guy with double-digit amount of homers on this team. And you have Suarez along Jesse Winker. They're hitting between a 310 to a 325 with regards to their on-base. J.P. Crawford is hitting nearly a 3 iron. And then Tyler Taylor, he's been able to do a solid job. He's hitting right around 333. But guys like Dill Moore, Mike Ford, Cal Raleigh, they've been relatively bad at the bottom of the lineup. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. And all of a sudden, Marcus Simeon has been hitting right around, I would say, about a 240 over the last 30 days. Corey Seager, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. He's been only able to hit right around a 235. Adolis Garcia hitting a 230 himself. But Garcia wound up going deep yesterday. Ninth home run of the season. Sam Huff and the entire catcher spot, Jonah Haim as well. These guys have been able to get on for you. Nate Lowe, he's hitting a 255. But where I think that this game is also going to be one, the Texas Rangers have been able to do a very solid job with their bullpen. Brock Burke, Joe Barlow, both of these guys, sub-225 ERAs. Matt Moore, I think, is going to regress. He's right now got right around a 3-ish ERA, but he's been solid. Dennis Santana, he's really been able to come in and hold down the fort. He's got a sub-2 ERA for this team as well. You've even been able to have someone like a Matt Bush come in. He's got a 320 ERA. John King, north of a... 
2-5 ERA now, but still a sub-3 ERA in them for the Seattle Mariners. It has not been good in terms of their bullpen. Drew Steckenrider got sent down to AAA. Sergio Romo is posting up a north of a 6 ERA. Paul Sewald has been a little bit banged up. When he's been out there, he's been able to deliver a 2.33 ERA. And Penn Murphy, sub-2 ERA himself, but Diego Castillo, I mean, 6.50 ERA. He's been able to improve a little bit recently, but he, Rionis Ellis, Matthew Fessa, these guys are just on as he true trustworthy. And you take a look at George Kirby. I do think that he's got quite a bit of upside moving forward. 3.46 ERA across his five starts. He's given up just three walks, and the strikeout numbers are honestly there with him, right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but I think he's benefited from playing against teams like the Oakland A's, the Baltimore Orioles. He wound up being able to have an opportunity against the New York Mets as well, and in that start, it wound up being a little bit tougher for him, especially against the Boston Red Sox as well, so we've noticed in the step-up in competition, he's not been able to do a great job. Martin Perez has been lights out all season long, and I think that he's going to continue that DK Nation pick. is going to be on the Texas Rangers on the money line. Also set my total at 7.3. I think that Kirby is going to be able to deliver a little bit of something, but I think that in the end, Texas Rangers bullpen is going to be able to get this one to the window. So, looking at the Rangers and looking at the under with the Rangers being the DK Nation. Pick 927-928 on the big board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us to the Boston Red Sox. Rich Hill is going to be going for the Sox, and one Frankie Montas is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves anywhere between a minus 118 to a minus 125, plus 105 to plus 110 is your price on Boston. 7.5 is your total, under is minus 120, and the over is even, and I want to make in the Red Sox plus 117 in this spot, which means that I was willing to lay up to a minus 117. In terms of the Oakland A's with regards to a run Line, you're finding it anywhere between a plus 175 to a plus 180. I'm going to hold out, and I think that we're going to see some money come in on Boston to be able to get this more like a minus 115, but at current numbers, I'd be looking at a plus 175 to a plus 180, just trying to maximize the value on that Oakland A spot, and hey, if we wind up getting the Boston Red Sox at a plus 120, I wouldn't necessarily complain about that either, but Richel wound up having a very good stretch of starts from, I would say, late April to early May. He has been getting banged around like a pinata recently, though. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts. That is not terrific, and in his last three starts, he has given up four home runs. Now, walks numbers, they're not too bad. He's given up right around two and a half walks per nine innings, but the home runs, they are killing him, and the swing of his stuff, it's gone because, well, he's 42 years old, so he's down to right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. Meanwhile, Frankie Montas, right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's only been given up right around two and a half walks per nine innings. Home runs per nine rate, that is in the neighbor of one. You can't look at the two and five record with him right now. That's just because the offense has been cataclysmically bad around him because Montas has just come out there night in the night out and he has been able to deliver and as a matter of fact he has gotten three runs of support or fewer in every one of his last six starts so this has been a guy that has been doing a much better job than what he winds up deserving and I do think that the Oakland A's could wind up putting a little bit more together with regards to the offense they wound up getting shut out yesterday and I'm not saying that this is an Oakland A.C. by any stretch of the imagination. It's great on offense, but Ramon Laureano now has a 350 on base. He was out for much of the beginning part of the season. Chad Pinder, Elvis Andrews, along with Luis Barrera. These guys are in between about a 240 to a 250. Tony Kemp has been able to give you a 315 on base. The problem is you really don't have a lot of power. And for the Boston Red Sox, no question, you've got the three mashers in the middle. That'd be Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers. They're all able to deliver. And then you've got Jaron Duran, also hitting a 333, obviously, in a very small sample size. But Franchi Cordero has been able to step up. He, Alex Verdugo, now hitting right in the pocket of about a 245. You've had Trevor Story be able to give the scene 20 RBI over the course of his last 20 days. So he is starting to improve, but with the Boston Red Sox as well. This is a bullpen that has not been great. You now have 
Matt Barnes on the injured list. Ryan Brazier has north of a 5 ERA. Jake Diekman has been all over the place with right around a 350-ish ERA. Irakaza Sarabona has been rock solid, but Matt Stram, he's starting to go down the trail pole with north of a 4 ERA. And speaking of going straight down the trail pole with regards to their ERA, Danny Amenis. In the last few days, he has been getting really touched up, but you still have Sam Mall, you still have A.J. Puck, both of these guys have been able to deliver an ERA that is sub-2. You've had Domingo Acevedo, along Zach Jackson, ever right around a 365 ERA. I do think that Montas is going to be able to deliver a far better spot start than with Rich Hill, and with just the way that Rich Hill has been giving up runs in general, I do think that this is a good get-right spot for the Oakland A's offense. Semi-total is 7.8. This is a daytime game out there in Oakland, so Marine Layer's not out. It's much more hitter-friendly, so Looking at an over in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the A's in some form or fashion, hoping to get down to more like a minus 115 with the money line. And we have things up with 929, 930 on the bank board. The Philadelphia Phillies, they're playing out to the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Halos and Kyle Gibson on the bump for the Phillies. Phillies are finding themselves as a pretty much pick em price here. Anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115 is what you're going to be finding them at. And when it comes to the Angels, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 110 and plus 101 with your total 8.5 over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. Set the Phillies at a minus 123. I'm going to be willing to lay it here. I do think that as we were talking about with our good friend Ryan Rossine, this is a little bit of a rallying cry for the Philadelphia Phillies because they did wind up having their coach wind up getting canned. And I do think that they're going to be able to put together some nice results. You wound up seeing it yesterday as well. D-Bats wound up getting going once again. And that's not the problem with this team. Bryce Harper is hitting above a 300. You are going to be without Mean Gene Segura for quite a while, but Nick Cassianos, Alec Bohm, JT Riamuto, Yoan Camargo, all these guys are hitting above a 240. They're able to get on base for you at the bottom of the lineup. Kyle Schwarber only right around the middle line of a 200, but 14 home runs has a good on-base percentage for this team. You have been having Reese Hoskins be a little bit up and down, but I mean, this is a Philly team that they're running into the Angels at the right time. This is an Angels team that their last win, I think, wound up coming when I believe that you wound up seeing Moses part the Red Sea. It has been quite a while for this team. As a matter of fact, you have to go all the way back to May 24th for the last time that the Angels wound up getting a win. So this is a bunch that they wound up entering into Saturday at a nine-game losing streak. And just not going well for you. And Patrick Sandoval, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. I do think that he's going to be able to come in and give a good start. 270 ERA overall with Patrick Sandoval. Take a look at the home and road splits. And it's actually been better on the road this season. 220 road ERA. The one thing that has you troubled a little bit with Patrick Sandoval is that he does wind up giving up quite a few walks right around 4.2-ish walks per nine innings. Has yet to give up a home run. you got to figure that there's going to be a little bit of regression there, but opponents are just a 222 off of them. And for Kyle Gibson, the strikeout numbers are up, right? Around eight punch outs per nine innings. He's given up less than a home run per nine innings. He's been able to work on his walks issues right around 2.7 walks per nine innings, so he's done a nice job being able to hold down the fort for this team and for the Angels. I mean, this is still a very fearsome lineup. You've got Joey Otani and Mike Trout, both giving you a double-digit amount of homers for Otani. He's hitting right around about a 245 to a 250-ish. Trout, he's hitting more in the pocket of a 285, and dare I say, Trout is in a little bit of a slump right now. Never thought I would be saying that, but the other guys like Juan Lagares, Max Stassi, Jared Walsh, along with Luis Ranifo, all these guys are hitting above a 245 with Walsh. He's been able to get the same 10 home runs as well, but the bullpen of the Angels with Brian Tapera has just not been great. Aaron Loop has not been able to give you good innings. You're relying upon Archie Bradley. That's not terrific. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, the bullpen has not been good, but you like Brad Ann, you like Corey Knable. These guys are able to give you some solid innings. It's when you wind up getting to the guys like Christopher Sanchez, James Norman. 
Norwood, where things wind up going awry. And I do think that Kyle Gibson going to be able to lend a little bit of length in this turn. I think that both pitchers are going to be solid with regards to the starters. So I do mind saying my total at an 8.1. I'm looking under. And with the Phillies, one to lay up to a minus 123. So going to be one to lay the number. And that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Ryan Rothstein of the Philadelphia CityCast, along Sports Radio WIP, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUNet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, and that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.